Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. The Word of God is most specific. God tells us exactly what we need to know so that when He returns, we can be found faithful. Let me ask you a question. Is that a concern of yours? Are you praying? Are you living in a way? Are you demonstrating a commitment to the purposes of God? So when Messiah returns, He will find you faithful. This is the nature, the character, and the objective of a true believer. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. Now, we began this chapter last week, and we came across a very important term. What is that term? The day of Messiah, or the day of our Lord, Messiah Yeshua. And that day is not the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord isn't for believers. The day of the Lord is for unbelievers. God is going to bring punishment. The day of the Lord is a difficult time for the world and also Israel that is going to be suffering the persecution of the Antichrist in that latter half of Daniel's 70th week. We won't be there for that. God has promised to remove us from this world, to snatch us away, to remove us rapidly. And it's not holding us in place. It's not defending us where we are. The rapture, that word, arpazo, speaks of being removed at a very high speed. It involves a change of location. This is what Paul's speaking about to the Thessalonians in this chapter, chapter 2. Our gathering together unto the Lord in the heavens. Now, we saw something. We saw clearly taught by Paul. And when you look at most Bibles, they add a lot of, of, of words in verse 3 in order that they can get it to say what they want it to say. All these italicized words. No, we don't need those. We can just translate that literally and see what Paul's saying. Those italicized, italicized words in your Bible is to change the original meaning. Look again in verse 3. He speaks here and he says, Let no one deceive you by any means. Did you hear that? Let no one deceive you by any means. Why? He says, because unless the apostasy should come first, it has to come before. And what is the purpose of that apostasy? For the revealing of the man of sin. Who is that man of sin? The son of perdition. He's going to be destroyed. He's going to destruction. We're speaking about the Antichrist. And what will he do? Well, look now. We're in verse 4 where it says, 
that he will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called godly, all that is, is worship, so that he, what is this Antichrist going to do? What is his act of revealing himself? Well, it's interesting because we're speaking here about what Daniel wrote about. Daniel wrote about this event three times in the book of Daniel. The first time in Daniel chapter 9. And when Daniel spoke of this in this great prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks, he mentioned that in the last week and in the middle of that last week, something was going to happen. What is that? The abomination of desolation. In Daniel chapter 9, he doesn't say what it is. He just gives us that term. And likewise, we find something else. In Daniel chapter 12, that same term appears there. And it hinders worship. It stops the daily sacrifice from being offered in the temple. And it's only in Daniel chapter 11 that we see what it is. In Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36, it tells us about a king, a stubborn king, a king that wants to take hope from the world. And what does he do? He exalts himself. He magnifies himself. And what does he do? This abomination of desolation is when he goes into, doesn't say the word temple, but we need to be very specific. It's the word not in the Greek language. There's two words that are of relevance here. There's the word hiron. Hiron is the general word for the temple, meaning this. It speaks about all the temple area, all of it. But there's a more specific word, and this is the Greek word neos. Here it's the word in the construction neon. And it speaks specifically about the sanctuary. Another way that we can understand the use of this word, in Hebrew we would say devir habayit. Another way that we would say it in Hebrew is the kodesh kodeshim, which is in English, the holy of holies. So we can expect what the abomination of desolation is. It is when the Antichrist, that he goes into the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. He does this in opposition to, to what God's word has said. He does it in order to exalt himself above everything that's called God. Now we know another biblical truth. The Antichrist is a type of Satan incarnate. What does Satan want to do? We learn in Isaiah chapter 14 that Satan wants to place his throne over God's throne. Satan was created in order to be the chief angel of praising God, of worshiping God, leading the heavenly host to worship God. He didn't want to do that. He is rebellious. He is about lying and deceit. And therefore, he rebelled. He was cast out. And his objective is to thwart the purposes of God. And he's going to begin by, by courting Israel because he knows something. He knows the important role Israel will play in the last days. And if Israel doesn't get spiritually right with God, the kingdom won't come. So he wants to corrupt Israel by bringing them to him, that they would worship him. That's why he does seemingly good things for Israel. He wants the temple to be built. He wants Israel to have prosperity. 
He wants Israel to have security. He is going to bring about in the short term a, a time of prosperity, a time of peace. But the source of that is deception. The source of it is the enemy to deceive people in worshiping this one. Well, we know something. We know that believers are going to recognize him and stand in opposition. We're going to speak out against his empire. We're going to be speaking against his purposes. And that's why we are going to be persecuted. And many people are going to die. Here's what we need to understand. Many people believe that this rapture is going to be witnessed by the world. Where do we see that in the scripture? That when the rapture happens, the world is just going to see all these people vanish in a moment. And it's going to be a message to them, totally unbiblical. Nowhere do we see this being discussed in this way scripturally. Send me, send me the verse. I don't know it. No, what's going to happen is this. Prior to the rapture, what Messiah said was this. They are going to hate you. They are going to persecute you. Many of you will be arrested many of you are going to be put to death and therefore the world is going to become very accustomed with one day there's a believing family living in their home and no longer there why because they've been arrested they've been put to death they've been 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 persecuted this is what's going to happen and the body of believers are going to be so so attacked that when there's no more believers, meaning this, we don't see them on the street, they're in prison, they're in camps, they're dead. This is when the rapture is going to happen. It's not for the world. The rapture is for believers. So when it seems as though there's no more believers around, that the Antichrist has put a, a, a into the believers, then the rapture is going to happen. It's not a sign to the world. And what do we know? Well, we know this, that, that believers are going to be persecuted for their faith. He says here that the Antichrist, he is going to want to do something. He is going to want to reveal himself. First, there's that apostasy. That apostasy is going to create the, the environment for the Antichrist to be revealed, this man of sin, the son of perdition, who does what? Who opposes and also exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worship, so that he in the sanctuary of God sits as God, manifesting himself that he is God. And what's going to happen? Israel's going to reject him. And it's that rejection of the Antichrist at the day of his revealing the abomination of desolation. It's going to be at that time that the time of Jacob's trouble is going to begin. Yeshua says, let me give you the place. If you look at Matthew 24, that great Olivet Discourse, what Messiah taught on the Mount of Olives. He says concerning the last days, there's going to be birth pains. There's going to be wars, rumors of war. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be famine. There's going to be earthquakes. But he says, these are just the beginning. And then he says, and they will persecute you. 
Many of you are going to be arrested and even put to death. But he says the end is not yet. What is related to the end? Well, look sometime at Matthew 24 and verse 14. It says there that the gospel of the kingdom must be proclaimed as a testimony to all nations. And only after this testimony, then the end will come. What end? The end that the scripture is speaking about in Matthew 24 and verse 14 is the end of the church age. And then he says, when you see the, the abomination of desolation that was spoken by Daniel, let the reader know. And right after the abomination of desolation, there's a change in Matthew's gospel. No longer is he speaking to believers about believers. What's the change? He begins to focus on Israel. Because the end that's mentioned in Matthew 24, verse 14, is the end of the church age. It is, well, think of it this way. It is when the fullness of the Gentiles, that's what Paul talked about. It's when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, God is going to do something, turn his attention back to Israel. Now, in our passage, we're focusing in on the day of Messiah, our gathering together to him. And he says here, go back to verse 3. He says, don't let anyone deceive you by any means because the apostasy must come. That day of Messiah will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of sin, the son of perdition, is revealed. This one who's going to oppose and exalt himself above everything that's called God. Everything that's worship. So that he's going to sit in the Holy of Holies in the sanctuary of God. And that he's going to sit as God, manifesting himself to be God. Verse, verse 5. He says, do you not remember that, that when I was still with you, I taught you these things? Now we're going to come to a very interesting subject. And what is that? Well, look carefully at verse 6. There we have a word that, that is usually translated as the restrainer. Now, normally, everyone wants to know who the restrainer is. Let me just clarify something. Set something to rest. The Bible does not say. But we know something. When we look at verse 6 and verse 7, the restrainer is mentioned there twice. The first time he's mentioned, that word restrainer is mentioned in a gender that is neuter, not male and not female. It's neuter. When the restrainer is mentioned the second time, he's mentioned in the masculine gender, meaning that there's an emphasis that it is not in the feminine. Why? Well, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, and it is in the feminine. Therefore, we can be assured of something. The restrainer is not the church. It is very problem when people associate the Holy Spirit and the church as almost one and the same. It is not. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit, He is a member of the Trinity. He is eternal. He can't be removed. What did God say about Himself? He says, you know, 
If I can go up to the heavens, God's there. We can go to the lower parts of the earth, God's there. God is omnipresent. He is all places. The Holy Spirit can't be taken away. So people say, well, the church is the restrainer. The church is going to be taken out, and therefore the Holy Spirit is. Really? That's heresy. Nothing's going to be done in this world without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will forever be omnipresent. So we know something. The church is not the restrainer. Something else we need to know. This word for being removed is not taking away. That's the rapture. The rapture is removing. But when we come to this verse in a second, it's going to tell us exactly what the restrainer does and what is his purpose. So look at verse 6. Let's read it very literally. I'm going to take it word by word, translating it in the proper order and in the simplest understanding. Look at verse 6. He says here, And now, now Paul wants to reveal something. And now the restrainer, again, in the neuter gender, you know for the revealing of him in his season. Now, many Bibles, they translate in a way that says, and the restrainer, you know. No, we don't know who the restrainer is. It's never told. Anyone who tells you who the restrainer is, is speaking something that is not true. The Word of God does not reveal to us who the restrainer is. When it says, the restrainer, and then after that, you know. It's not that we know who the restrainer is, but we know the purpose of the restrainer. It says, you know for why there's a restrainer, you know for the revealing of him, that is the Antichrist, in his season. So let's get something straight. We don't know the identity of the restrainer. We know the purpose of the restrainer. And that is that the, the Antichrist is only revealed in the proper season, God's timing. The Antichrist isn't sovereign. He doesn't choose when he's revealed, God does. So once more and now the restrainer you know for the revealing of him in this season verse 7 for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the world what does that mean it means that antichrist spirit is already at work in the world this goes back nearly 2,000 years and the spirit of the Antichrist was already at work. What is the spirit of the Antichrist? Now, it bothers me that people will say all these things about the last days, and you ask them a very basic question, what is the spirit of the Antichrist? And this is what they do. They think, well, he must be unholy. He must be ungodly. He must, and they just think rationally. Let's be biblically based. It's very important that we see that he is called two things here. He is called, and we'll see the second one in a moment, he is called the man of sin. He's also called the, the man of lawlessness. Now, that term lawlessness, it is the word for Torah, and there's a prefix, a negation. One letter, the, the alpha, is placed in front of it, meaning that he's against the law of God. 
Now, why is he against the law of God? Because he loves something. He loves sin. So the Antichrist, we don't know who he is, but his spirit of lawlessness and anti-Torah concept is already at work in the world. Why is he against the Torah? Well, the Torah expresses love. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that the character of the Torah is, is love, but also the Torah defines righteousness. Righteousness is tied to the glory of God. Satan hates God being glorified. Why? He wants all that glory for himself. So the man of sin, that man of lawlessness, his spirit is already in this world and it's growing in power. It is growing in its, its presence. The various places where that spirit of the Antichrist is at work. He hates righteousness. He loves sin. He's all about that which is against the character of the Torah. We learn the character of the Torah is love. So notice what he says. Verse, verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only the one who restrains now. And this is in the masculine. The first time in verse 6, it's in the, the neuter. But he says, only the one who restrains now. He's restraining now until, what does it say? It says, literally, ech misu ginetai, which means out of the middle he will be. Now, all this is saying is this, that the restrainer, whoever he is, he is restraining so the Antichrist can't be revealed early. But when God, the Father, says, this is the right time, the restrainer, he will move from the midst. He will allow the Antichrist to go forward with his plans. And what's he going to do? How is he going to reveal himself? We talked about this. He is going to reveal himself with the abomination of desolation. This one who opposes everything that's godly. This one who wants to exalt himself, exalt himself everything that's related to the one true God. And what is he going to do? Well, the abomination of desolation happens in the Holy of Holies. Why? Very simply. Because this is where the glory, Shekinat Hashem, the Shekinah glory of Hashem dwelt between the two cherubim on that mercy seat, what's known as the Kaporet that was the covering for the Ark of the Covenant. You'll recall that in the book of Numbers, chapter 7, verse 89, Moses went into the Holy of Holies to dedicate things for worship. And he brought about a change of worship with the establishment of the tabernacle. And what's going to happen? Well, when Moses went in there, he heard the voice of God speaking to him between the two cherubim from that place on the mercy seat. This is where God's glory dwelt in a unique way. God's every place, but uniquely, His glory is there on the mercy seat. And this is where the Antichrist is going to take His place. In a sacrilege, that's what the abomination is. Something that is abominable, something that is offensive to God, that He would think that He's God. That's what He wants to do. Manifest Himself that He is God. And that event's going to happen. And what we know, what we know, 
is that Israel's going to reject him. And this is, according to what we see, this is the last event that must happen. We're supposed to be watching, looking. This is the last thing that's going to happen. And then soon after, no one knows the day or the hour. But soon after the abomination of desolation, it might be a fraction of a second. It might be a few days. It may be a month. We don't know. But we know this. Prior to the wrath of God falling, the rapture will happen. Now, it is unbiblical to, to define the rapture in light of what the theologians call the tribulation period. Why is it unbiblical? God doesn't do that. God never tells us, never shows us anything. It's all supposition. It is all assumption. What God says is one thing concerning the rapture. That is, we have not been appointed for wrath, but victory. And that victory, that blessed hope, that rapture is going to happen, he promises, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, it is going to happen before God's wrath. Now, you can go to, to our app, which is My Bible Study. It's free to you on every app store. And in that app, you will find a list of 20, 28 questions. And what I would say is this. In order to give you a right understanding, we're not going to tell you the answers. We're going to ask 28 questions. You take the time. You look biblically. For, for the answers in the text concerning these questions. And after you deal with the material, after you deal with those 28 questions, then you're going to be in a much better position in order to form an opinion. You may, you may not agree with me. That's not important. That's important is that you study the relevant texts, that you answer the important questions in order to lead you to a biblical understanding and not simply something that's popular, something that your denomination, something that your leadership in your local congregation, something that the group that you want to be part of believes. We need to realize God can teach all people things. Be open, be teach, teachable. It says here, look again at verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only the one who restrains now, and the implication is he will continue to do so, until from the midst, meaning from the middle, he will be. He will be taken from the middle. He's going to step aside. And what's going to happen? Look at verse 8. At that time, the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed, going to be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the spirit of his mouth. And he will do something. He is going to render him null and void at the appearance of his coming. Who's coming? What we're going to find is when Messiah comes, he's going to render null and void the work of the Antichrist. And this one's coming. Now we're speaking about the manifestation of the Antichrist. His coming, his coming, his revealing is with the work of what? With the work of Satan with all types of, of power and signs and, notice this, false wonders. The Antichrist, he's going to do much, but we need to be a person who is ready for that day, and Paul is preparing us for that. 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.